Good morning. My name is Dustin. If you don't know me, I'm on staff here at South Point. I get the privilege of working with our awesome student ministry and also the privilege of working with our amazing worship team. Uh, I want to quickly tell you what it is we do here at South Point. We exist for everyone to experience God's unconditional love. Everything we do here at South Point, from meeting together uh, to having groups to serving to opening up this book, the Bible to read about it, to worship him, everything that we do is in an effort to connect people to Jesus. Because we believe that he changes everything. We believe that the unconditional love of God, that when you accept him, that you're forgiven for your sins, you get a life that you never could have dreamed of. And so our hope is that everyone can experience this. And so that's why we do what we do here. Now currently, uh, we are in the series that we are calling Because of Jesus, I. Because of Jesus, I. And during the series, we are examining interactions with different people or that different people have had with the post-resurrection Jesus. That is, after Jesus raised from the dead. After he raised back to life, after being crucified, he spent 40 more days on this planet. And he had some interactions with people that are really telling and powerful. And so we're examining those in this series. Now, today, we're going to be looking at an interaction that Jesus has with one of his disciples, a man by the name of Thomas. Now, in this passage, there aren't a lot of verses, but there is a lot packed in to these verses. And my prayer for you, I've been praying for everyone in here this week, everyone watching online, anyone who would join us and hear this message, that after hearing this message, that you can walk away, really that you can walk away first knowing Jesus better, having an interest to continue to dig deeper into who he is and the love that he has for you, but also, I hope that you can walk away this morning saying that because of Jesus, I don't have to live in doubt. Because of Jesus, I don't have to live in doubt. And so we're going to read this, but let's pray before we do. God, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can approach you freely. We thank you that you've given us this book, which is a picture of you, to help us get to know you better and to grow in our relationship with you. And so, God, I pray that these next few minutes are not just a talk, they're not just a conversation. Uh, It's not even just a message, but God, that we're actually hearing from you. We're hearing what you have for us right here, right now, because we know that you always have something good for us, God. So help us block out any distractions and be able to focus solely on you right here in this moment. That's our prayer, Jesus. We love you and we trust you. We pray in your name. Amen. So we're going to be, if you have a a physical Bible with you, we're going to be in John chapter 20. We're going to be starting... At verse 24, if you don't have a physical Bible, don't worry, we'll have the words up on the screen. Now, just to give you a little bit of idea of where we are kind of in this story. So Jesus has come back to life after being crucified. Uh, He's raised back to life, and he has appeared to some people. He's appeared to some of his disciples, but he hasn't appeared to all of them yet. And so where we're at, we read last week Jesus appearing to some of the disciples. Where we're about to pick up, all of the disciples are back together and some of them have seen Jesus, but one has not. Thomas, who we're talking about. And so we're going to jump in in this moment. It says this, John chapter 20, starting at verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, 
I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put, your, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So you have this interaction first between Thomas and the other disciples and then this interaction between Jesus and Thomas. And I, I really think when we read through this passage, I think there are two big takeaways. There are two things that we can learn from Thomas about from his interaction with Jesus that will show us the truth that because of Jesus, I don't have to live in doubt. And we're just going to jump into them. I think the first big takeaway from this passage is that doubt is normal. Doubt is normal. As a follower of Jesus, for you to have moments when you struggle with your faith, for you to wrestle with these words, for you to have moments of doubt, that is all 100% normal. And don't let anyone tell you that there is something wrong with you if your faith isn't 100% invincible 100% of the time. Let's just get away from, from playing church and playing pretend. and just We can just admit that being a rock star follower of Jesus all the time is not always the easiest thing to do. Doubt is normal. But we sure love to paint Thomas out to be a clown, don't we? Like, he's, he's pretty easy to make fun of. I mean, you kind of feel bad for him. I mean, this guy, Thomas, he's one of the 12 disciples, one of Jesus' 12 main people, and yet the only airtime, the only face time he gets in all of Scripture, in all of his time with Jesus, the only time we see Thomas is in this embarrassing, weak moment. Scholars have even given him the nickname Doubting Thomas. That's who he's known as. Like, can you imagine? It seems, it seems like one of the worst things that can happen to you, most embarrassing things, is if you become a verb. Like if someone says they're pulling a you, like they're pulling a Dustin or they're pulling a Dave, and they're referring to something negative when they say that. Like, you know, if, if you're hanging out with someone, say you're hanging out with your friend or a spouse, and they pick up a pillow and they fling it at you, and when they throw it at you, you dodge it. You're just like defying gravity. Well, in that moment, you're pulling a Neo from the Matrix. Now, Say you're playing basketball and you shoot a last-second shot. You make a shot at the buzzer to win the game. Well, now you're pulling a Jordan or a Kobe. Or say you're throwing some really delicious food down on the grill. Well, now you're pulling a Bobby Flay. Or if you pull a really amazing guitar riff, you're just shredding on a guitar, you're pulling a Jimi Hendrix. But if you're a Jesus follower who doubts Jesus... Well, now you're pulling a Thomas. Poor Thomas, man. But I mean, think about it. Like, this dude has seen pretty much every miracle that Jesus has performed. He's seen Jesus walk on water. He's seen Jesus take a couple loaves of bread and a few fish and feed over 5,000 people with it. He's seen Jesus talk to blind men and lay his hands on them, and now all of a sudden these men who are blind can see again. He's seen Jesus... Tell people who could not walk for decades, literally decades of not being able to walk, told them to stand up and walk, and they did it. 
He witnessed just a few days ago his friend Peter chop someone's ear off with a sword, and then he watched Jesus pick that ear and put it back on, healed, good as new. He's watched Jesus tell a dead man to wake up and then watch that dead man wake up as good as he ever was. And yet, after everything he's seen, now Thomas is saying, He's not going to believe that Jesus could resurrect himself unless he has some concrete proof. Like, this is a disciple. Listen to these words spoken from one of Jesus' disciples. It says this, So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. As a disciple, this should be exciting and exhilarating. This is the moment you've been waiting for. Thomas should be excited. But this is Thomas's response. It says, But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. Thomas, a disciple, says, if you don't give me some concrete proof, I will never believe. Really, Thomas? Never? Like, come on, man, what kind of fair-weather bandwagon fan is Thomas. Like, if Thomas doesn't find some faith soon, like, I might go crazy reading this. What happened to Thomas that his faith is so weak now? After all these experiences Thomas has had with Jesus, and now he's doubting? He's starting to look like the old Thomas again? How does that happen? I mean, think about it. Thomas has spent years these past few years following Jesus, committed to him. He's been in Jesus' presence. He's been interacting with him. He's been observing him, being actively loved and guided by Jesus. And now, for just these past few days, he hasn't. Thomas went from spending a lot of time with Jesus to spending no time with Jesus. It's the only difference. You see, the truth is, the second you stop spending time with Jesus, the second you stop spending time with Jesus is the second you start forgetting how amazing and powerful he truly is. I'll say that one more time. The second, not minute, the second you stop spending time with Jesus is the second you start forgetting how powerful and amazing he truly is. And man, I've been there. Happens all the time. I'll be driving somewhere, worshiping my heart out, feeling literally like I'm on my knees in the throne room before God, tears pouring out of my face I can barely see. I also, I don't recommend closing your eyes to worship while you're driving. My sister actually did this and crashed her car. True story, 100% true story, she's fine. She closed her eyes while driving because she was worshiping and crashed her car. Girl loves to worship but maybe keep your eyes open when you're on the road at least. But I'm serious. Like You could be the closest you've ever been with God, and the second you stop spending time with Him, the world starts to creep back in. Anxiety starts setting back in. Those stressors that you ran and you just sat down at the foot of the cross, as soon as you stop spending time with Jesus, well, maybe you... Maybe you go back and pick those up and put them back on your shoulders again. Or, or those sins 
that you love so much, the ones that you can't get away from, the ones that start to lose their appeal when you're spending time with Jesus, well, those sins, the second you stop, they, they start to look appealing to you again. That immense patience that you feel, if you experience that, that immense patience when you're in tune with Jesus, like, man, literally anyone could do anything to me. Someone could steal my car, I'd be like, take it. I'm fine, I don't need it. I have such satisfaction and fulfillment and peace because I understand the love that Jesus has for me. The second you stop spending time with him, people start getting under your skin again. You start snapping at your friends or your family or your spouse or your kids again. And so the questions, the same questions I have about Thomas are the same questions I have about us. What happened to us that our faith is so weak now? After all the experiences we've had with Jesus and now you're doubting? Now you're starting to look like the old you again? How does that happen? And listen, this is not me. This is not me trying to point the finger at anyone. I'll just be really transparent and, and just admit there have been moments, countless moments in my life, actually, where I have doubted and questioned all of this. Moments when I've wondered if God was even paying attention to me at all, if He could see me, if He cared. Moments when I question. Am I even really a believer? Am I even really saved? Because I still struggle so much. I should be over this by now, right? I should be better at this. And I've had moments when I've questioned, does God even exist at all? I have been Thomas. I've screamed at God. I've told God, you need to show up like right now and show me something because if you don't, I'm liable to walk away. And if that's surprising to you because I'm on staff at a church, then, man, I don't know what to tell you other than none of us on staff, at any staff, at any church, we are not any more special or bulletproof than anyone else. And if I'm the only one who has struggles and questions and has had doubts and wrestled with this stuff, if I'm the only one, if that's just me, that's fine, man, I'll own it. But I don't think it is. And I actually tend to believe that a lot more of us struggle with stuff like this than we're actually willing to admit. Now, now, if we could keep our eyes on Jesus all the time, if we could stay focused on him all the time, then we would not have moments of doubt. But because you're a human, you will take your eyes off of Jesus. And because you're a human, you're not perfect. And because you are a human, these moments when you take your eyes off of him can turn into moments of doubt. And those moments of doubt can turn into days. And those days can turn into seasons. And you don't have to be embarrassed or ashamed if that's happened to you or if that's happening to you right now. You can just own that. I do. But Thomas exhibits to us that there will be moments when you don't spend time with Jesus. And so for that reason, there will be moments that you struggle and there will be moments of doubt and so doubt is normal because we are human. But watch what happens next. It says eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand 
and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. I'll just be honest, this message is not really complex or, or really complicated. It's really straightforward. We just examined why Jesus had doubts. He was away from Jesus. That caused doubt to creep in. Well, what happens the second he's back with Jesus? His doubts are gone. Because what's the second thing? that Thomas teaches us about doubt if the first thing is that we are human and we will make mistakes and we will have times we're away from Jesus and so doubt is normal. The second is that being with Jesus erases that doubt. And so what does that mean for you? Well, it means that yes, you're not perfect and again, you'll have moments, likely daily even, when you aren't completely focused on Jesus. We all have them. But in order to erase the doubt, you have to get your eyes back on him and you have to get your heart back on him he's the only one who can fix it he's the only one who can erase doubt you see i can look back at some of the moments in my life when my faith was weakest and and you think that these moments would have been the hardest moments of my life during the hardest moments you think moments when i struggled most with my faith are the moments when my life really started to take its toll on me you might think it was the time after our first son was born and I had really severe postpartum depression and I couldn't really eat or sleep and I lost like 25 pounds in just a couple of weeks. You would think it'd be a moment like that, right? Or, or you might think that it's on those mornings when I wake up and my anxiety is really bad and so my stomach is hurting or my heart's racing and I feel like I might be having a heart attack or I feel lightheaded or dizzy, any of the numerous things that can happen when anxiety spikes up and it feels like I'm going to pass out or have a heart attack or have a seizure and my mind starts going, you think it'd be in those moments when I'd really start to doubt and question, right? Or you might think another moment when my faith was weakest was this past September when my mom passed away from pancreatic cancer to watch the disease take that toll on her. You mean, I mean, it seems like these are the kind of moments that would cause me to question. It seems like on paper, these are the moments that would cause me to doubt. And maybe for some people they are, but that's not when my faith was weakest. But, but we'll get back to those moments. I, the moments when my faith has been weakest, the moments when I've struggled the most, are the moments when I just stopped spending time with Jesus for whatever reason. I either get comfortable or I get complacent or I feel like I don't really have a reason to open this book up or I don't really have a reason to worship because things are you know, generally all right. It's in the moments when I'm not praying and I don't open this book up and I don't worship, I don't sing, I'm not showing up to church, I'm not trying to live the life that Jesus has called me to, I'm not spending time with other believers, I'm not doing any of the things that this book instructs me to do. It's in those moments when it's kind of like, Man, I'm, I'm kind of good on all this right now because I have X, Y, and Z going on. And, and it, you know, I run into people, and I love just asking people, how are you doing? Even asking them, how are you doing with your relationship with Jesus? Or I'll see people, and it's like, hey, man, I, I haven't seen you at church in a while. I miss you. Like, how are you doing? You know, the, the most common response that I get from people is like, oh, yeah, you know it, we just have a lot going on right now, and, and life's just been kind of busy, 
right now, or, or I just got a new job, and so, you know, time is, is kind of limited, or, or me and so-and-so just broke up, and so I've been kind of struggling, or, or this is just, it just seems like I'm in one of those dry seasons in my life when it comes to faith, you know, it's just one of those times, and I know I need to get back. Well, if we start forgetting how amazing Jesus is the second that we stop spending time with him, if Thomas forgot how amazing Jesus was just three days after being with him in the flesh, then what's it going to look like for you to start stringing days and weeks and months together when you're spending no time with him? What's your faith going to look like then? You see, I, I know people who have gone through some of the things that I've gone through. I know my, my battles aren't particularly special or unique. And I know believers who, because they've experienced difficult things, did, in fact, walk away from God. But you know, when you really examine it closely, and I look at these situations, it's not because of the trial itself that they walk away. You know, the Bible tells us you're going to have trial, you're going to struggle, and so that's predicted that we shouldn't necessarily be surprised by that. And so it's not the trial that drives them away. It's that because of the trial, they take their focus off of Jesus. You know, the Bible says that perfect love casts out every fear. And so Jesus is perfect love. He will cast out every fear. He has that power. But in the hardest moments of our life, our instinct is not always to run to him. Our instinct is more frequently to try to take over and start fighting start trying to do something. I think we're wired that way, to try to fight our own battles. And I know this because I've, I've had plenty of moments when I've tried this approach myself, when I've tried to fight my way, when I panicked. And, and Jesus was driving, but, you know, things got a little difficult. They got scary. And so I grabbed the steering wheel and I yanked the car off of the road. And, man, it just doesn't work. Because we aren't equipped. We're, not mat we're no match for the biggest battles this life has to offer, for the heaviest tragedies that this life has to offer. And I had to, I had to learn that the hard way. I had, to, I had to learn that by trying to fix myself for a long time. Even when I thought in moments, you know, when I, I was actively a believer, there still had moments when I was trying to save myself. But eventually, luckily, I see now that there came a point when I couldn't fight anymore. Eventually, these moments in my life, they drove me to my knees literally multiple times a day. And these moments, man, they shattered the illusion that I had any control whatsoever over what happened in this life. These moments, they made me say, I can't do this anymore. And for me, man, there was just, there was nothing else to do. I had already been as angry and mad and broken as I could get. I already tried to make things better on my own. I tried to logically think through, how can I fix this? How can I make this better? And nothing worked. Nothing worked. And so instead, I just worshiped him. I worshiped Jesus and I prayed to Jesus and I opened this book and I, and I started looking for him. Not even just looking for answers. I was just looking for him. He was the only one who could make anything better. And, and did he deliver me 
immediately from my anxiety and depression. No, he didn't. Did he swoop in at the last moment and miraculously heal my mom of her cancer? No, he didn't. But because I was with him, and because I knew that he was with me, because I knew he was carrying me, and he was, because I had immersed myself with Jesus, because I had surrounded myself with him, I knew everything was going to be okay. I could feel that. I understood that anxiety and depression, man, they're really hard, but they don't last forever. But his kingdom does. His love does. I understood that, you know, my mom passing away, that was not a period on her life. But rather that was a comma, and a comma that planted her directly into our Savior's arms. (laughs) And I don't know how things would have gone for me if I didn't have Jesus when I look around and I can't, I honestly, I can't begin to wrap my mind around how people navigate through some of the stuff in life, just navigate their life without him because he saved me. He still saves me. It was at the hardest moments of my life when my faith was weakest. No, the exact opposite actually was the hardest Moments in my life when I felt closer to him than I have ever felt. And it wasn't because of me. I mean, I can't really take credit for giving up. Because <laughs> that's all I did. I just threw up my hands and I tapped out and I said, you got to do something. And he did. And so I say this to you because I know it's true. I, I say this because although having doubts is normal and it's going to happen... And although struggling is normal and although tragedy strikes and experiencing tragedy and heartbreak and hardship is normal, the truth is Jesus doesn't want you to stay there. And you can't fight your way out. You'll never be able to fight your way out. You have to immerse yourself in him. You have to spend time with him. You have to spend time worshiping him. And you have to spend time praying and you have to spend time in his word. And there, I'm sorry, but there's no shortcut to this. There's no substitute for any of this. And if you don't know how to do these things on your own, man, if you don't know how to read the Bible or worship or pray, that's what we're here for. That's, that's why we exist. We're not here just to put on a service every week. That's not, that's not our biggest mission. Our biggest mission is to equip you to be able to do this stuff on your own. Listen, man, I don't want to be the guy who you feel inspired when you watch me worship. I want to be the guy who you come to to show you how to do it for yourself. And I don't want to be the guy, man, I will preach on this book all day long. I love this book, and I'll talk about Jesus all day long, but I don't want to be the guy who you come to to ask questions about what this book means. or what. I want, it, I want you to be the guy who you come to When you want to know how to read this book, I want to show you how to read this for yourself so you don't need me anymore. You can just go to him directly. And I'll pray with any one of you, anytime, anywhere, and there's great power in praying with other people, but you need to know how to talk to Jesus on your own. This is your faith. And the secret to this entire faith thing 
the secret to it all, the key to maintaining your confidence in it, the key to maintaining the peace that it provides, the key to unraveling this unfathomable, this unexplainable love that Jesus has, the key to all of it, just spending time with Him. Because it's Him. He's the answer. And He's the only answer. Where Jesus is, there is no darkness, there is no fear, there is no doubt. And we've covered that you aren't going to spend all your time with Him because you're not perfect and you're not going to be thinking about Him all the time, but you do need time with Him. And even when your heart isn't in it, even when you don't feel it, even when you're not emotionally invested in it, you do it anyway. Because you understand the truth. You understand who He is. And that's what faith is. Faith is not the absence of doubt. If faith was the absence of doubt, then no one in this room, no one on this planet could claim to have faith. Now, faith is steadfastness during seasons of doubt, which is just a fancy, churchy way of saying that when you have doubts, even though you have doubts, you're going to chase after them anyway. Even when you can't feel his love immediately, even when you can't see it, you're going to chase after him anyway. And even if you can't directly see the fruit of it in your life, you chase after him anyway. You know, the Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't say anything about getting to the valley of the shadow of death and setting up camp there or trying to build a house there or trying to make a life there. You have to walk through it. You have to walk towards the Savior. He will meet you where you are 100% of the time. He has literally never let me down. And I promise you, he will never let you down. But you have to show up too. You have to show up. You know, when Jesus took his, his final breath on the cross, the Bible says the veil in the temple was torn. And if you don't know anything about this church stuff, what that really means is that there was a time when you could not approach God freely. There was a time when you couldn't just be in his presence. But because Jesus died on a cross, because of what he did, he is now available to each and every one of us all the time. And when you seek after him, when you make him a priority of your life, and you seek after him by reading this book, and you seek after him by, by praying, just spending time with him, you, you, you seek after him by worshiping him, by being around other believers, by coming to church, all these different things, by serving. There are countless ways that you can encounter him, but you have to seek after him. And when you do, when you make him a priority of your life, when you just turn your eyes towards him, the Bible says he will give you a peace that you cannot comprehend, and he will erase any doubt. That's what Jesus does. Let's pray. God, you are so good. We just confess, we acknowledge that we aren't perfect. And we just acknowledge that we get caught up with life and we get caught up with situations, not even necessarily when bad things happen, just the day-to-day -day stuff that just steers our attention away from you. And so we confess in those moments that we're not always perfect, and in these moments when we can't keep our eyes fixed on you, that we experience doubt. But God, thank you for loving us anyway. Thank you that when we turn our eyes back towards you, that you give us all peace and grace and love and understanding. 
that all we have to do is take one step towards you and you rush in to meet us right there. And so God, my prayer for each and every one of us in this place is that regardless of where we are, regardless of if we feel extremely secure in our faith or we walked in never having experienced who you are, if we've been a believer for a long time or feel dry, no matter where we are, God, I pray that every person that walks out of this place cannot get you out of their head, that you are in their way, you are unavoidable and unignorable. God, I pray that your love is so present in our hearts and in our minds that all we want to do is spend time with you, that we can keep our eyes focused on you because we believe that you erased any doubt. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a couple quick things. If